Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week in preparation for Sabbath, February 20th, we look at Comfort My People, Lesson 8. Join us as we look at Isaiah chapter 40 and 41 and how it brings comfort to not only the children of Israel back then, but also comfort to us today. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at Southwestern Adventist University. We love learning and sharing God's Word, and together we have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into this study. All right, here we are with Lesson 8, Comfort My People. Uh, Our memory text comes from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 9, and it says, Get up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, you who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with your uh, voice with strength, lift it up, be not afraid, and say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. You know, as we see that and we're reading how we should be comforted, uh, I'm comforted knowing that you know, this, this entire quarter has been excellent, has been tremendous. We just had a, a bonus interview with John Gardner of recognizing that throughout history, God is it has been shown through the gift of archaeology that God is truly with his people and he wants to bring them that comfort. And, and as you just mentioned, um, Buster, you know, I want to encourage our listeners, check out that bonus episode. It, it's just dynamite full of some of the latest research by Jonathan Gardner, who uh, is a, a specialist in the Old Testament archaeology, especially of this particular time period. So it's just really uh, eye-opening. Uh, but yeah, this this is what a what a great section of encouragement of of God's people, and that's what I love about this. And just kind of, I guess, transitioning right into Sunday's lesson, um, with this idea of comfort uh, is is a beautiful beautiful thought. And our lesson takes us right away to Isaiah chapter forty, verses one and two. And I'm just going to go ahead and read this first. Um, I'm reading from the NIV. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim her hard service has been completed, her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. As we kind of know the ongoing narrative here of what's going on is there's this, um, Assyria is on the warpath and, and, um, as we know, archaeologically, again, from um, <laughs> our conversation with Jonathan Gardner, uh, we know about this incredible destru- destruction that takes place across uh, the Middle East. Yeah, um, most definitely. Uh, yeah, it's just, it was absolutely devastating. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, so you have a, a number of people that are, are kind of taken away, and then there's this, this um, promise of restoration. And here you have... Um, what's going on, um, this, this Babylonian captivity that takes place, but also the hope and promise uh, that God is both with them in their captivity, uh, that, that, that no matter how difficult it is, that, that God is still with them through these uh, very challenging times. Mm. You know, uh, I, you can't help but uh, make the correlation to today, um, and it, it asks this question there at the, uh, at the end, Michael, is the theme of the return from Babylon linked with anything earlier in Isaiah? And if so, what? Mm. You know, and, and as I was reading it, you know, as we were talking about uh, last week's lesson, 
uh-huh. Hezekiah's descendants and saying, hey, you're going to get carried away to captivity. And I, uh, Hezekiah's like, well, at least it's not going to happen in my time. That what God uh-huh. said was going to happen is actually ha- going to happen. But uh-huh. we can always find solstice and comfort in God. Yeah. yeah. And and I, I think that, that kind of segues us to uh, Monday's lesson, which is presence, uh-huh. word, and road work. Um, and it continues on with this theme of Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 8. And I'm not going to read everything here, but I do want to get to um, verse, starting at verse 6. The voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all of its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Uh, And it says, how do God's people receive comfort? They receive comfort through God's word. They receive comfort in God's presence. They can receive comfort in, as it says here, his word and his road work, uh, the things that he is doing, the trails that he is leading them down, that all, hopefully, if they choose to walk it, lead back to him. Uh, Mm. Then it asks this question, what preparation is necessary for the Lord's coming. We see that in verses three through five. Uh, it says, The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Uh, if you're not familiar with this, this is the, the line that was uh, repeated by John the Baptist uh, right before, you know, as he's commencing his ministry. Uh, and we see that what's preparation is God's people speaking up, preparing his way. Uh, God's word being revealed, not just through the word, but also us speaking out his word and living out his word to prepare the way for his second coming. God utilizes us to prepare for his second coming. And, I, you know, that's something we can take comfort in as well, which is God has chosen us not to just be uh, in this controversy, but to be a part of the solution if we so choose to. Yeah. <clears throat> what a what a beautiful reminder that that we are called to help to proclaim um, that that good news and that preparation is very much um, relational. If I'm hearing you right, Buster. Yes, it is. God God's interested in in having all of us, our hearts, and uh, I guess that kind of segues nicely into Tuesday's lesson, which is uh, talking about evangelism, the birth of evangelism. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Buster, I know this is this is your one of your passions, you know, is the and, and one of the things I love about Southwestern um, Adventist University, we've got um, a whole evangelism program as, as pastors are preparing. Uh, we believe in practical, you know, and, and hands on. And so our students have the opportunity to work side by side with pastors and be mentored uh, but also to participate in a kind of evangelistic series, you know. Yeah, yes. Tell, tell us about that really quick before we get into evangelism here. You know, I think most of our schools have a field school of evangelism. It's just that uh-huh. our union uh, really puts their money where their mouth is, and they take care of 50% of the expenses of our field school of evangelism. So That's for five and a half weeks, they're... Uh, they're funding the students to do their evangelistic series and giving them per diem as well as mileage uh, to go out wow. and do visitations. And also mm-hmm. uh, bringing in a, a seasoned evangelist that they're learning from in the classroom as well as from myself about how to conduct so evangelism. The, like so, mentored a, Buster? Say what? 
so they get to be like mentored oh yeah absolutely uh so they're learning from some of the best uh, we've learned from uh in the past mark finley has come down and done a field school evangelism for us david machado who is uh, one of the ones up and coming who was trained directly from uh, uh kenneth cox so i mean it's it's pretty i i've been blessed being just a part of it so thank you for bringing that up michael so Tell us, yeah. what does Isaiah say is uh, the birth of evangelism? I'm interested in this. Yeah, well, this is this is where it's at, is, is Scripture, right? So Yes, sir. Uh, 9 through 11 of the same chapter we're looking at, this beautiful chapter, uh, and again, I'm continuing in the NIV. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. And you who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up, do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd and he gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. And he gently leads those that have young. Well, there's a couple of things I want to point out is, you know, in the midst of of sharing this good news, I imagine it was probably not very easy necessarily to do that in the midst of the tribulation and the challenges that 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 Judah and ancient Israel were going through at this particular time, time of uh, desolation and invasion and captivity. Uh, but uh, it, it, you know, it was a kind of a countercultural message saying, "Hey, things look really bad for you right now, but there's hope." And that hope is found in God. So, and, and I love how the prophet Isaiah, uh, it's not only good news, it's, it's good news that's contagious. You want to share it, uh, you know, go to the mountaintops and share it however yeah. that you can, uh, you know, what, within whatever means and ability you have. So you can just imagine him going around and shouting this good news and proclaiming it. Uh, and then the what I love here is the image of God, because this is, the image of a loving God, Amen. a real God. And, and and this picture, you know, like Psalm 23 is a, a favorite chapter, I think, for a lot of people, a familiar chapter of the Lord is my shepherd. But that's not the only place we see that image of God. We see that in many other places, and including here, he tends his flock like a shepherd. God is a loving shepherd who cares about his sheep. And I always like to contrast this with when I was a young pastor years ago and far away, actually out in Colorado, and I was on my way to church, one of my small churches out in the country, came over a hill, huge flock of sheep, and I hit the brake so hard that I kind of fishtailed and left some black marks on the pavement, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and and just as I came to a stop, there was a sheep at the end, actually several sheep, and they're just looking up at, at me from the end of my hood of my car, going, bah, <clears throat> So there's this the the sheep, and I was just thankful I didn't take one out. And then after a couple of minutes, I'm you know I'm just surrounded by this huge flock of sheep. There comes this cowboy, the shepherd, and he comes up and he says howdy, and I say howdy, and we're chatting. And he says, well, you know, um, I said, man, I almost took out some of your sheep. And he said, well, it'd be okay. We lose some every now and then. And uh, <laughs> I thought, well, that's a very different kind of shepherd than the one that I that I usually see depicted here with Jesus. Uh, a loving shepherd who doesn't care. In fact, if he loses one sheep, he goes all night, all night and searches and looks for it. So, That's true. Uh, 
Um, and I love this depiction also of God. He gathers the lambs in his arms close to his heart. You know, this idea of a, a loving, caring God that every sheep, every individual is precious to him. And, and that relational aspect of God, when we understand who God is, who God truly is and his character as a, as a loving, compassionate, caring God, um, that's, that's good news that you want to share. You want other people to know about that, to have that same kind of experience. And I think there's just a lot of people in this world today that are yearning for it, which is why we need to go and, and, and evangelize. That's why evangelism matters. It makes a difference. Um, and it's, it behooves us to, in the spirit of Isaiah here, to shout it from the mountaintops. Amen. You know, M Michael, I have to chime in here and say I have a pet yeah. peeve here that um, okay. Isaiah brings out. Sister White yeah. does a wonderful job of this, which is sure. reminding that pastors, we are not the, the shepherds, honestly. Ooh. We are the under-shepherds. Uh, yeah. Isaiah, you know, Psalm 23, mm -hmm. the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But sometimes mm -hmm. we like to put ourselves back in that role, not realizing ultimately we're just another part of the sheep. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I like to call us alpha sheep that are looking for greener pastures, and the only way to find those is through Jesus Christ, our shepherd. Uh, so it's yeah. important to realize that as we're evangelizing, that we ourselves need to be evangelized by looking for the shepherd ourselves and to, to never lose sight of who he is and what he means to us in our lives. Yeah, love it. Yeah. Well, Isaac, you know, and, and that's I think that's a danger for everybody. I mean, we're, we're both pastors, training pastors, but... Um, to meet, need, need to make sure that we don't make religion about ourselves. Yes. But to always be on Jesus. And that's, I think, our human nature, that's always the danger, is if we don't surrender. I mean, Paul says, I die daily, that we have to surrender uh, to God and, and, and be willing to let people, to direct our eyes, not to us, but to the, like you said, the true shepherd. I love that. Um, I guess uh, segueing or, or shifting um, how, how does that help us understand who God is as a merciful creator, Buster? You know, uh, uh, the author of this lesson, uh, this quarter, does a great job of breaking down this for us. Uh, God is merciful creator. And Isaiah 40, 1 through 5, uh, talks about a God of comfort. Uh, <clears throat> Isaiah 40, 3 through 8, talks about a God of glory. Isaiah uh, 40, 9 through 11, talks about God of good news and deliverance, how he shepherds his people. The incomparable creator, right? We get into uh, here and here in just a second. And God is creator. That's uh, who he is. Uh, and yeah. so we see that he is a merciful creator, though, not just one who created us and wants us to to follow after him like robots, but one who yearns for us, who wants to spend time with us. This is the kind of God that we see here. And it asks this question, it says, in Isaiah 40, verse 18, I'm going to read that here in the New King James Version, it says, To whom then will you liken God, or what likeness will you compare to him? And the, mm. the, it talks about the foolishness of, of talking about comparing him with idols of gold and silver and everything else. The truth of the matter is, there's none, nothing yeah. or no one like God that we can compare him to. And the, the lesson does a great job of bringing that out. And then it asks this other strange question. What, how does verse 27 reveal the attitude of the people addressed by Isaiah's message? And verse 27 here says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God? In other words, he understands that we have questions, that we don't understand things. And yet, here he is, 
trying and yearning to give us the answer. Uh, this lesson compares it to Job, right? Job never yeah. got the answers he was directly looking for, but he followed the true God nonetheless. And that, I think that's the same thing with us today, that maybe you're not finding the exact answer you want to look for. Maybe you don't hear the audible voice of God. So we talked about our in our meeting yesterday, uh, Michael. Mm. But yeah. understanding God's word and real, realizing verse 8 of Isaiah 40, that comfort uh, comes through his word uh, forever, and his word will forever stand. And noticing that that is what we can stand on, that is what we can look forward to, shows us of the mighty power of the Creator. Uh, yeah. A real short story here. Uh, Mark Finley came and he guest lectured for us via Zoom for our homiletics class. And one of our students reminded us what he shared with us. He said, the same creative power that God had when he spoke things uh, into existence at creation is the same power that the Word of God has and we are called to have as we preach the word of God, as we share the word of God, it's that same creative power that God has given into his word. And so that is what forever stands. And so, yeah, Michael, that, that kind of brings us to this. I just talked about a little bit about this idolatry. Can you tell us what the problem with idolatry is, according to Thursday's lesson? Yeah, and, and this is kind of interesting, kind of building on what we learned from Jonathan Gardner, this all-pervasive uh, challenge of of idolatry. It's it's more than just a physical little idol that people, you know, might have that they would worship. It was a is a way of life, as a, a worldview how how they were viewing the world. Uh, that was that was all encompassing. And uh, anyways, the Isaiah addresses the problem head on. Uh, and I'm going to just go ahead and read Isaiah 41 verse 29 where Isaiah doesn't mince words. He says, See, they are all false, and their <laughs> amount to nothing, and their images are but wind and confusion. Mm. So, you know, the, this is the, the thing is, is Isaiah, and this is why no one wants to ever be a prophet, right, is, is sometimes you have to be, be willing to be, and this is where uh, even countercultural willing to denounce and say, wait a minute, um, there are false systems of worship uh, that have slowly and insidiously um, kind of reasserted themselves within uh, the Canaan land. And, you know, I, this wasn't in our, in our interview, but talking with uh, Jonathan about his, uh, some of his research that he's doing right now, uh, you know, the invasion, the conquest, when Israel came back after being in Egyptian captivity, um, there's some strong evidence now, looking archaeologically as well as uh, thematically in the Old Testament, that uh, the destruction of the people was not the primary consideration. A lot of people have an issue, how could so many people die in these wars and stuff like that? Uh, the primary issue was the problem of idolatry. Now, the, if you destroy the temples and you destroy those things, then some people have to die because they've pledged their allegiance and loyalty to those things. But the real central issue that God has, and, and the reason the conquest even happens, he's arguing, has everything to do with, with idolatry. Um, and, and that gives the whole conquest a different um, picture of a, of a God who's concerned about loyalty, allegiance, and worship, and, and less about, oh, well, if you don't follow me, then I'm going to get rid of you kind of thing. And, and, and that's a very different picture of God. And I think a lot of it's people true. have had the wrong picture of God, which is what we struggle with here, right? It is. It's um, very true. Yeah. So um, anyways, um, 
Isaiah here. It's a recurring theme throughout all of ancient Israel's uh, uh, history is this problem of idolatry. God is giving them a wake-up call through Isaiah, basically uh, reminding them, hey, this, this, is, this is a counterfeit. This is something that uh, is uh, antithetical to the plan of salvation um, that as God has revealed uh, to, to ancient Israel and to us through Scripture. And, and it also raises the question here in this lesson, I think that's really quite important, because um, when I, you know, I've lived and traveled overseas, and, you know, I've been in certain countries and certain cultures where they actually have physical idols they worship, um, you know, temples and, and that sort of thing. But we tend to not see that so much here in our more Western, especially in our more American culture. We do have some diversity and and, uh, and what have you, but it's not, I don't go over to people's houses and expect to find a little shrine or idols, right? Yeah. And, uh, but, but it does raise the question, do we still face that problem of idolatry in our lives today, Buster? Yeah, you know, uh, Michael, I, I truly believe that the idol that mankind has truly worshipped has never been a statue, but ultimately, mm-hmm. in place of that statue, we're, we're, we, we place ourselves. We place our own self-centered ways. We place our pride, and that's what we are actually worshiping. To think that this thing that I carve with my hands is actually going to have more power and ability to save me now. So to to think that my ability, my talents, my nature Mm -hmm. has the ability to save me over what God can do is the idol that man has always faced. And even even good things, you know, like uh, cultivating our minds and intelligence, you know, uh, you know that's not in itself a bad thing. But if we think that we're smarter than God, we kind of uh, lose sight of what, you know, we can make. Back to what you said, we we basically are putting ourselves in the place of God. So true, and and I pray that we all get over that by complete and utter surrender to who He is. Yeah. Yeah, and and I guess maybe that's what Isaiah is kind of speaking to us today. If we were to kind of try to apply that and take that to the to our current times is that uh you know god's trying to wake us up and remind us whatever idol that you or i may have in our own lives god's saying hey it's 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 really going to amount to nothing um you, you you really the what your your heart really is yearning and searching for is a relationship with me you know being that shepherd that loving shepherd uh that that seeks and holds and and cares for those sheep um and, and, and anything else is just the counterfeit. It's never going to measure up. Amen. Amen. Well, Michael, looks like that's wrapping us up for this week. Uh, yeah. Sure does. It's been, uh, it's, you know, like you said, it's been a fun Sabbath school lesson. And uh, so I, I think just a reminder that uh, as we continue on, uh, as, as we're looking at how in Isaiah's day, you know, in some ways it seems very far removed from us, and yet in other ways it just is so uh, the same kinds of issues remind us that and some things just haven't really changed, have they? No, they have not. So let's, yeah. let's, try, to, let's try to not repeat history by making sure we actually turn to God. Absolutely. Well, I think that puts a wrap. Like you said, Buster, uh, this is Soup. And Swoops. As we put a wrap on this week's lesson, this is Campbell Swoops signing off. 
By the way, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Southwestern Union of Seventh-day Adventists and Southwestern Adventist University, which has for over 125 years provided a Christ-centered education just 20 minutes south of Fort Worth, Texas. We love teaching with personal colleagues, offer quality academics, and provide numerous ways to get involved both on campus and across the globe. To learn more, visit swahu.edu or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Also, be sure to join us again next week as we continue to explore God's Word. You can make sure not to miss an episode by joining us at sabbathschoolrescue.org.